We are in a sermon series on the, the Sermon on the Mount, most famous sermon ever preached, and we're wrapping it all up today. This is the very last message in the sermon of this series. Jesus preached a very long series. It started in January, and uh, we're just finishing now. Um, he was long-winded. No, we've, we've been enjoying this series, and uh, so glad you joined us. Uh, if you've ever wondered what the kingdom of God is about or what the kingdom of heaven is like, or maybe in your terms you think of it as like, what does it mean to follow Jesus, or what does it look like to be a Christian? The Sermon on the Mount is a great place to start. You know, Matthew, one of Jesus' followers who had been a tax collector, hated by everyone in society at that time because they worked for the hated Romans, he became a follower of Jesus, and he writes down uh, his story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and, and in his uh, story, he writes the Sermon of the Mount. He, he, he writes it down for us. And right before he writes the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew tells us that Jesus went around the countryside teaching about the good news of the kingdom. And then he dictates for us what Jesus spoke as he gave the sermon, uh, which is all about the kingdom, which is why we subtitle the sermon, uh, Life in the Kingdom. What does it look like to be a Christian? So what I want to do today is we kind of just wrap this all up and we kind of end with Jesus' last words in the sermon. I want to do a bit of a flyover and just kind of recap how we got to where we are, what the Sermon on the Mount has all been about. And if it piques your interest a little bit, uh, all of the messages are online, but even better than that, you can turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, which is about two-thirds of the way through your Bible, and read it yourself in chapters 5, 6, and 7. So the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts by giving us eight statements that are called the Beatitudes, and it's all about the character of the kingdom. What is the character of the kingdom? And he says these crazy things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, and we rarely tie blessed, fortunate, happy with poor, and Jesus did. And he says, blessed are those who mourn and blessed are the meek. And we're like, what? This is so crazy. And what Jesus is showing us is that the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven are not the same. In fact, the kingdom of heaven is upside down in comparison to the kingdom of this world. It's so different from. Well, Jesus moves from the character of the kingdom to the influence that those who are in the kingdom would have. And he says this about those in the kingdom, the believers, his followers. He says, you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. And the idea is this that we would be uncontaminated salt and uncovered light. Point being that we would be different from the world so that we would make a difference in the world. That our difference would make a difference. Well, Jesus moves on from the uh, character and influence, the influence we would have in the world, and he starts talking about the rules in the kingdom, because every kingdom has rules, right? And you're like, so what, what are the rules of the kingdom? And what we see really quickly is that the rules of the kingdom don't have uh, as much to do about the exterior life, because often we think rules, they just change, you know, external behavior. But Jesus, the kingdom rules actually change our hearts. They start at the very inner parts of who we are. And so suddenly Jesus, you know, changes from like, hey, you used to hear that it was said like, don't commit murder and don't commit adultery. But in my kingdom, lust is the new adultery because adultery starts in your heart. And anger and hate is the new murder because murder starts in the heart. And it's like, whoa, Jesus, you've, you've come to change our very core. And he's like, yeah, Exactly. Well, Jesus moves on from the rules of the kingdom to the devotion, what it looks like to kind of live this devoted life of following him. He talks about prayer. He talks about 
uh, giving. He talks about fasting. He talks about don't worry. He says things like uh, uh, store for your tr- yourselves treasures in heaven. This is what the devoted life looks like. And then as Jesus gets to the very end of the sermon, we looked at this last week, he contrasts two things in four different areas. And last week we looked at three. He, he contrasts two different roads, two different trees, and two different claims. Or one claim that shows up in two ways. And the, and the two roads, he says there's a wide road with a wide gate, and there's this narrow road with a narrow gate. And the wide road leads to destruction, The narrow road and the narrow gate leads to life. He says there's two trees. There's a tree that bears good fruit, and then there's a tree that bears bad fruit. And then he talks about the two claims, or it's actually one claim that shows up in two different areas. And he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to get into the kingdom, even though we know that we get into the kingdom by saying, Lord, Lord, Right? We get into the kingdom by declaring Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it says not everyone who does gets in. And all of this, and he gets to the last one, which he's going to talk about two houses or two builders. But all of this actually has to do with kind of one thing. It all has to do with application. So you can have a good destination in mind, but how you apply yourself and the pathway you choose determines your end. You can want to bear good fruit, but... What is happening on the inside, what kind of tree you are, is what kind of fruit you bear. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And you can say all you want, but Jesus says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, but the one who does. It's all about application. What are you doing with who Jesus is and with what he has just said? Well, Jesus kind of nails this home with the last uh, 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 comparison the two builders or the two houses. And it all has to do with application. And every good sermon, because the Sermon on the Mount is a really good sermon, ends with application. And this is how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, what Jesus is going to tell us as he ends this sermon, as it relates to us, as it relates to you, here's what Jesus is going to tell us. Truth, unapplied, is no better than a lie. As truth relates to you, and as truth relates to me, truth that goes unapplied is no better to you than a lie. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like, you know, if you believed and, and believed the truth even of gravity, because gravity is a real thing, you're like, I know about gravity, and I, I, I know it's true, but you did not apply the truth that gravity is real to your life, and you lived as though there was no gravity, is the truth that there's gravity of any value to you? Even if you believe it, is it of any value? Mm-mm. You, you will walk off to your own destruction because you have not applied the truth. It's the same in, in other areas of life. You can know the truth that having an affair is gonna blow up your marriage. It's gonna blow up your relationship with your kids. It's gonna blow up your finances. It's gonna blow up your life. But knowing that truth If you do not apply it, it is of no value to you. If you still go have an affair, how has it been helpful? And this is Jesus' point. The truth unapplied to you is no good to you. Here's how Jesus says it as he ends the sermon on the mount. He says this, therefore, and that therefore means, let me just wrap this all up. I've been talking since January, right? 
I'm talking for a long time. Let me just wrap this all up. And as he wraps up, hey, we just talked about two roads and two trees and two claims. Let me wrap this all up. Therefore, everyone who hears, everyone say hears. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Everyone say puts them into practice. Good. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why did it not fall? Because it had its foundation. Everyone say foundation. It had its foundation on the rock. You just said three things that will change your life. Hears, puts into practice, and you gain a foundation. When you hear, and you've just been hearing since January, when you hear and you put into practice, you gain a foundation. A foundation that when storms of life come, not if, when the storms of life come, you have a foundation that does not crumble. But there's another side to this. And Jesus is not going to let us kind of wiggle our way out of any of it. And so he goes on and says, let me tell you the other side of this. But everyone who hears, there's that hears word again. These words of mine. And does not put them into practice. Is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See, truth, unapplied, is no better than a lie. It's no good to you if you have not let it sink in and change how you think and change how you act. And Jesus says when you allow the truth and you hear the truth and you put it into practice, these words of Jesus, which are true, it builds a foundation so that when the storm comes, not if the storm comes, but when the storm comes, your house, your life does not crash. See, every day, every day you are building something. Do you know that your life is a series of decisions that builds your own life? And in the process of you journeying through your life and you making these series of decisions, you are building a foundation that one day when a storm hits, you're going to find out just how good your foundation is. But here's the thing about foundations, and you know this. Foundations are boring. It's true. See, we all know that your foundation determines your future. Jesus just told us that, right? We all know this about our regular homes. We know this about our lives. But here's the thing about foundations. Foundations, they are boring. We let other people, when we build a house, we let other people figure out how to do the foundation part. I'm picking the colors. I'm picking the design. I'm picking the curb appeal. I'm going to let someone else, professional, you figure out the foundation. No, it doesn't matter. Let me figure out the fun stuff, right? This is the same. I mean, you get to like HGTV. None of us watch HGTV foundations, right? It's like, no, like every time there's a show and it's like, man, we found this crazy. There's like foundation issues in this house. They skip over it. And they're like, hey, we fixed it. And now let's get to like the interior, right? Let's get to the curb appeal. This is why we watch the 30-minute show, not to see the intricacies, 
of how great foundations work. In fact, here's what we do with foundations. We bury them. They're under the ground. We don't even see them. We don't, they're out of mind, out of sight. But here's what happens. When the storm hits, what gets really, really interesting in that moment? Your foundation. Suddenly, the only thing that matters, like, I don't care if it's green or purple. What, I don't care if the outside has brick or, or has, has rock or has siding. What's my foundation? Are we safe, honey? Is this going to hold up? That's the only thing that matters. And Jesus comes along and says, your life is a series of decisions and you're building a foundation and you, you don't even know it and you don't even think about it. But there's a storm coming and not if, but when. And how is your life going to hold up? You can build a really nice life with a marriage and a career and you got your, your white picket fence and you got your home and, and, and your kids. But what happens to your life when a pandemic hits? What happens in your life when politics don't go the way you'd hoped? What happens in your life when a health crisis hits? What happens in your life when a financial crisis hits? What happens in your life when the storm hits? And suddenly everything else fades away and suddenly we see our foundation. And sometimes we're not all that proud of what's been buried. But Jesus says you have an opportunity. Your future is determined by what you do right now. It's stuff maybe no one sees, but you're building it. See, your foundation is built by what you do with the words of Jesus. Not with what you think is true. Not even what, with what you believe to be true. According to Jesus, and I think Jesus is right, your foundation is being built by what you do with the words of Jesus. Well, Jesus uh, ends the Sermon on the Mount this way, but then Matthew kind of ties it all together. He's the guy writing this all down. And he writes this, he says, when Jesus had finally, oh, no, sorry, when Jesus had finished, not finally, that's how you guys think in my sermons. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were like, whoa, this is mind-blowing. I mean, you just said some crazy upside-down kingdom, all these things. But here's the deal. They weren't just amazed at his teaching because of his teaching. And this is something we all have to wrestle with. But this is what Matthew says, not just because of what he was teaching, because, here's why, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. See, there's all kinds of teachers in history that people are amazed at their teaching, but it's because they had teaching. And when the teacher dies, all their followers of the teachers come together. They say, we got to write these teachings down because this is some amazing teaching. And they write it all down. They say, we have to pass this on to others. But this is not true of Jesus. When Jesus died, his followers did not come around and say, we need to write down Jesus' teaching because this is somehow amazing teaching. They all scattered and fled. But then something crazy happened. 
And it happened because Jesus had authority. And at this time, before this event ever happened, everyone already noticed and they saw there's something different about Jesus. He has some sort of new authority. It's different. He's not just a Muhammad. He's not just this great teacher. He's not just this person who has this great wisdom. There's something different. He has authority. And Jesus would substantiate everything he said and everything he claimed when he predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off because he proved he had the authority. Because when it comes to, do you do this or that, you always go with the guy who who predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. He's right. And they anticipated, they saw this already as Jesus taught. This wasn't like their teachers of the law. He had a new kind of authority. And Jesus proved his authority when God raised him from the dead. And so here's the, here's, here's the real. Your foundation determines your future. We know that. And your foundation is built by what you do with Jesus' word. So here's what I want to leave as a question for you as we close the Sermon on the Mount. As it relates to what Jesus has just said and what Matthew said the crowd's response was. What are you going to do with Jesus? And what are you going to do with Jesus' teaching? See, the crowds had to come and wrestle this one to the ground. And we still wrestle this one to the ground. And the first part is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Jesus who has authority. Jesus who predicted his own death and resurrection. And then God raised him from the dead to substantiate everything he claimed and everything he said. What are you going to do with him? And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, the Sermon on the Mount leaves us here. It leaves us with the authority of Jesus and who he is. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to wrestle with what you're going to do with Jesus. What are you going to do with the man who's alive and who is dead, but is dead no more? Would you put your faith in him? See, because there's a storm coming. There's one storm we all journey through. It's the storm of passing from this life to whatever is next. And there's only one foundation that passes through that storm unscathed. It's the foundation of Jesus. Do you know that when you pass from this life, will you make it through that storm? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Second part of this question is, what are you going to do with Jesus' teaching? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's not for you. You can do Jesus' teaching. It's probably going to make your life better because Jesus is really smart and he's the author of life. It's probably a good idea. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't have to do anything with Jesus' teaching. But this is for those of us who follow Jesus. What are we going to do? This is Jesus' push on us who are his followers. What are you going to do with what you've just heard? I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I think for many of us Christians, 
I'm talking to Christians here, so if you're not a follower of Jesus, this isn't for you. For many of us Christians, I think we're about 500 Bible verses overweight. It's not that we know too much. It's that we haven't done enough with what we've known. That we have all this knowledge, but here's what knowledge does when you don't exercise it. It makes you fat. Actually, the way the Apostle Paul said it, he said, it makes you prideful. It puffs you up. But love builds up. See, it's kind of like if you went on a workout program, you're like, I'm going ma- to get some muscle. And you're like, okay, I've got to eat a lot of calories and a lot of protein, and I'm going to work out, and I'm going to gain a lot of muscle. But what happens when you keep eating the same amount of calories and protein and you stop working out? You start getting fat. I think this is a challenge for us as Christians. It's not that we know too much. It's, it's that we haven't, we, rather than learning more verses, we should apply the five we know and then learn the next one. This is Jesus' point. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, you build a foundation. There's a strength that comes. So don't hear me and say the Bible's bad. No, the Bible's good. Scripture, God's word is good. Jesus' words are life. But according to Jesus, they're no better than a lie if they go unapplied. It's a challenge for us. What are you going to do with Jesus and with Jesus' teaching? Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your word, the words of Jesus that, oh, they challenge us. And God, I pray for all of us today as we have to come face to face with the person of Jesus and the reality of the authority that Jesus had. And for those that are here today, and they're maybe wrestling with that authority, they're wondering, is Jesus who he claimed to be? Why would I listen to him rather than others? Father, I pray that today you would open each of our eyes to see who you are, Jesus, who you truly are. I pray that no one would go beyond this day and this week without wrestling this to the ground in their own lives the authority of you. And Father, for those of us who walk with you, I pray that you would give us courage and strength, the wisdom to understand what we've heard in the sermon, but then the the strength and the courage to apply it to our lives. And there's some hard teachings, God. Teachings about loving our spouse and living in marriage well and teaching about loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us and teachings about... uh, not being worried and, and, and building up treasure. And God, help us to apply these things, your words, because your words have life, and apply them to ours. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so that's the end of our service. Almost. So we, uh, we, we want to take an opportunity today, we've never done this at Mount Olive, um, to do something with the words Jesus said. No, just kidding. This actually is kind of separate, so I don't want you to think this is what Jesus is telling you to do, Um, but a little bit, I think Jesus is telling us to do something. So um, as a person at Mount Olive Church, if you consider yourself a person at Mount Olive, and maybe you're not even uh, a Jesus follower yet, but you're like, ah, I kind of like this church, or I like some people in this church, and I kind of come to this church. Here's a couple expectations that we have as followers of Jesus together as leadership of the church, what it means to be part of the church, to be a family. Uh, You know when you're part of a family, there's kind of like expectations. That's why your mom said, clean your room, and your dad said, clean your room. So um, a couple of the expectations as you think about church 
as we do church together. Now, you've heard this before, maybe, and if you haven't, let me just explain to you. We as the church, we uh, kind of exist as a church in two kind of different ways. We are the church when we gather together, not the building. We're the church as the people when we gather together, the gathered church. But we're also the church when we scatter, which is the idea that when you go to your homes and your businesses and your schools, when you do life, you're the church. So we're the church together, but we're also the church scattered. So what are the expectations for what it means to be the church together, the things that we all do together? Here's kind of three things that I think we do all together. The first one is we gather Sunday mornings. That's part of our gathering. That's what we do as the gathered church. Uh, and if you're not gathering, it's hard to be part of the gathering, part of the church, part of what uh, God's doing in us together, right? So that's one of the expectations is we gather together. We gather as a large group to celebrate on Sundays. We gather in smaller groups, relational environments, whether small groups or freedom sessions or women's you know, Bible studies, whatever. Um, but we gather in smaller groups. That's an expectation because we do life in community. This is big community. It's hard to be in relationship in a big community like this. So we celebrate together. We get together in smaller groups to do life together. Uh, and so we have that expectation that all of us are in smaller groups uh, doing relational life together. And then the third thing, and this is what we're gonna talk about today. What we all do together is we serve together. We serve each other together because you've been gifted in ways I haven't been gifted. And there's things that you bring to the family that I can't bring to the family. And there's some things that, I know you probably have a hard time believing this, I bring that you can't bring, right? So there's just some things that we do uh, uh, differently. So as it relates to service, and this is kind of our service Sunday, um, uh, we have an expectation. My expectation as we do life together is that all of us serve somewhere. But here's what I want you to hear. I don't want, as your pastor, I don't want you serving in 14 different places in this church. And here's why. Because you have been called, and you've heard this many times, you have been called to be the church in your sphere of influence, to bring Jesus, the light and the salt of the earth to your sphere of influence. Your sphere of influence is the eight to 15 people that you rub shoulders with every single day. They're the people you go to school with, the people you teach, the people you work with, the, the family that you live with, uh, the spouse you have, um, the parents you have. You've been called to be the salt and light of Jesus in your sphere of influence. If you're serving in 14 ministries at Mount Olive Church, you have no time to be involved and influential in your own sphere of influence. So as your pastor, I don't want that. I want you to, all of us, to be involved somewhere, but not everywhere. And so here's uh, what we want to talk a little bit about today is that um, as, as we do life together, that we all serve somewhere. And I want you to think about that. Where is it that God has called you to serve? Where is it that God has called you to step up and, and serve others in in the church community. And here's the other thing that service does. I think two things. It connects us. Sometimes if you don't feel connected to the church, it's because you maybe aren't serving. When you serve, you get connected in a new kind of way because you start working with and rubbing shoulders with others. Uh, it connects you to the church. But here's the other thing. When we serve and step out of thinking about ourselves and thinking about others, something unique happens where God begins to grow our own faith. And someone's like, man, I'm feeling stagnant in my faith. Step out and do something that's maybe uh, something that you're like, man, I could, but boy, that would make me uncomfortable. Or that's a little bit further. It's a bit of a stretch. And as you serve others, God often grows 
your own faith as well. And so this is an opportunity for you to consider where might you serve? And undoubtedly, undoubtedly, you're a follower of Jesus today because someone served you. When you were a kid, when you were an adult, every day, every Sunday when you come together as a group, there's a whole bunch of people that serve you. I don't know if you knew that. They make this all happen. When you meet in a small group, you have a small group leader who serves you. And so what we're asking you to do is why not pay forward what someone has done for you? And consider, God, where might you have me serve? The last thing I want to say before we dive into some of the specifics is that uh, I don't want you to serve out of guilt. This is not a guilt Sunday. Like, oh, no, great message, and then we had the guilt, you know? It's like, oh, man, I better serve somewhere because guilty. This is not a guilt Sunday. In fact, if you feel guilty, just leave guilty. Don't serve. Do not sign up to serve, okay? Just leave guilty and let it, it'll fade by tomorrow. I promise you'll, you'll be done. Just one day. But if there's conviction, that's a different word. It's kind of this thing that happens in our hearts where it's like God kind of prompts us. It's like, ah, oh, man, I don't feel like I want to, but I think I should because it's probably good for me. It's kind of like that thing you feel when you're like, oh, I probably should work out, but I don't want to, but it'd be good for me. It's like you kind of feel convicted, like, oh, this is a good thing for me. If you feel that, that might be God's spirit, and consider that. Say, where might God have me serve if you're not serving anywhere? So what we're going to do at the end of the service is there's a whole bunch of opportunities for you outside to sign up. Now, I know you guys are an amazing church, so almost all of you already serve somewhere. But what I would love for you to do is say, hey, I've been serving here the last year or six months or four years. Just go to that table and say, I'm back in next year. Because as leadership in this church, we we need to build teams Uh, And sometimes it's like we go into the fall and we're like, I don't know what my team is. And this will just help us know, hey, I've got this team already and I can start investing in them over summer. So if you're serving somewhere already and you're like, I'm just going to keep doing that. It's been 40 years. I'm just going to keep doing it for 41, 42. Just say, hey, I want to keep serving in this. Count me in for, you know, next year, uh, next fall. Um, If you're not serving anywhere, consider where you might want to say, God has a place for me there. So the first area I want to pull up is uh, Alexis and Kenzie, you guys can come up, and they're going to talk a little bit about children's ministry and some of the things God has done in them in their serving, and then I'll talk a little bit about some of the opportunities you have if you want to uh, serve in that area. Good morning. Um, My name is Alexis uh, Goodbrand. I'm the children's director here, and I just wanted to share a story with you from one of our uh, Sunday school teachers upstairs. when we have church down here. So uh, the story goes like this. This person writes, to be able to meet with a group of children for kids ministry has been a huge blessing for me this year. We are never too old or too young to learn and relearn the lessons God has given to us in the Bible. To prepare for a lesson has been fun, although sometimes challenging emotionally and spiritually to grasp the simple truths of God's word. The curriculum we've been using has a ton of activities to choose from to emphasize the lesson highlights each week. In the younger groups, we move from activity to activity quite quickly to keep the children engaged, yet still emphasizing the main points of the lesson. It's been fun to watch them grasp the lessons in their own ways through these activities. On occasion, I've had a child be able to tell me the whole Bible story lesson without much prompting before it's even been told in our lesson. And that's been pretty neat to listen to. He's been learning great things in his young life. 
These little people grow up fast. To meet who they are as children and who their families are is special. And so uh, this is just one of the few areas uh, that we have children's ministry on this is on Sunday morning, and this story is from one of our teachers. But we've also got Kenzie Matthews here, and she's going to share her story. Hello, my name is Kenzie, for those who don't know me. Um, I just started attending Mount Olive in the fall of 2020 after moving here from out east. So this past year, I had the opportunity to get involved with children and youth ministries. I first started by volunteering for drop-in last summer. I then became a youth leader for senior teens and a Sunday school leader for grade three and grade fours. God has done such wonderful things in these ministries. I am so happy that I got to be a part of it. I've had the privilege to share God's love, goodness, and word to the youth and children of Mount Olive. I've also been blessed to learn so much from them. Getting to come alongside them and watching their curiosity about Christ grow has been so great to see. Getting to see youth baptized and children so excited to sing songs and learn about the Bible is so encouraging to see how Christ is moving throughout them. I encourage you all to take a step in finding a way you can volunteer within the church. There are so many opportunities and it is so rewarding. God can use each and every one of us to share himself to his children. He has equipped each of you with a special gift only you can share. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. That was like a message, Kenzie. Are you, are you free next Sunday to, to preach? How true. And Alexis is our children's ministry direct, uh, director. You know, I was at a conference this, uh, a couple weeks ago, and one of the questions that was asked was this. What's the faith of the next generation worth? What's the faith of the next generation worth? They're the church. They're our future leaders. I think that's worth everything. I bet it would be worth an hour or two a week. Anyways, probably. Maybe God's tapping you and saying, I want to invest in the next generation. I'd give up an hour or two each week uh, on Sundays, throughout the week maybe, to send a text message and encourage someone as I build relationships and do life with the next generation. A couple areas for kids' ministry that's open next level is a 5-6 uh, program. If you're like, man, I love 5-6s because there's not a lot of people in the world that do, and you're just like, I just love that age group. Um, God's gifted you. You should step into that. Um, VBS is coming up this uh, summer. There's all different, you, you know about that. It's a kind of kids club that happens in the evenings so that if you're a working person, you can still be involved. We do that intentionally in the evenings. So if you're a working person, you can be involved. Um, kids church on Sundays, nursery. I love nursery. We have so many uh, parents that drop off their kids and they get encouraged by the word of God and by doing life together in large group, uh, community, singing, because there's people that are willing to give an hour of their time to hold a child. that We think it's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, teachers and assistants, again, uh, Alexis says if you're age 9 to 90, you can serve somewhere. In, uh, so 91-year-olds, sorry, you have to serve in seniors ministry. I don't know why she said 90, but she did. So. Uh, youth and young adults, we have... Uh, 
different ways to serve the next generation as, as youth and, and young adults. Um, I, I want to talk, talk to you a little bit about our young adults uh, ministry that's happening in our community. Um, it's called Garage Life. It's actually happening every Sunday uh, from 1 to 6, and you can see the information there. Uh, it's happening today, I believe. Um, and Vivian and Josh... Uh, run that ministry, and Vivian uh, led music a, a couple weeks ago. Um, and so if you're a young adult, you can attend that. But if you're someone that just loves young adults and you think, man, I, I'd love to serve in that ministry, um, there's a number of ways. Or maybe you don't love young adults, but you'd love to serve. There's ways to serve, and you don't even have to interact with young adults. Let me give you some of the options. You can see them up on the screen, screen there. You know, help with event planning, uh, set up, clean up uh, on, on the, at their, at their uh, events. Uh, meal prep, they do food, uh, lead, help lead a Bible study if you want to be in a leadership position, uh, music, worship leading, spending time connecting, and then they want to build a prayer team. So maybe you're like, I don't like young adults, but I love to pray, and I could pray for the young adults. I don't know if you knew this, but over this last year, they've been having this in their garage, and uh, they've been getting like over, up, to, up to over 100 kids on a Sunday. Uh, by kids, I mean young adults. You can tell how old I am now. Um, I see young adults as kids, but yeah, if that's an area that you'd love to just get involved in, uh, I want to encourage you, uh, talk to them after. They're going to be out at the table. And as well as youth ministry, um, there's needs for leadership all the time. And I know some of you lead in youth ministry. So again, if you're already serving in one of these, go see uh, uh, the, the area of ministry and just say, I'm back next year. Um, and if, if that's what you want to commit to, and we can continue to build our teams. Uh, I want to invite Carol Coates up. Uh, she's going to talk a little bit about some of our hospitality ministry um, as well. No, just your part. Okay, thanks. When we came to Mount Olive oh, a few years ago, we wanted to serve in some way, and, and so we decided that since we were greeters at another church, we'd, we'd try it here. We felt kind of comfortable with that. Years ago, when we started to greet, I thought, oh, we're going to bless people. Now, isn't that a self-centered attitude? <clears throat> anyway, but it turns out that each person that comes through that door bless us. See, God meets us each Sunday when we greet. We see the smiles and people with all kinds of energy. Uh, they kind of eager to come to church. And God works through them right through them, and we are the ones that are the ones that really get blessed through it. You know what it feels like? Just like a little mini mission or a little mini ministry each Sunday we greet. Now, if you're really interested in greeting, we probably could use people from all ages. Well, not little ones, but other people. Anyway, thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Carol was talking about our greeters. As you come in, often you're uh, greeted with a smiling face. Um, ushers, as part of our hospitality team, when you come in and someone's like, can't find a seat, they help you find a seat. Um, we have uh, people who make coffee on Sunday mornings. It's just kind of the people that make this feel like a welcoming place. And maybe you're, you know, kind of starting in your faith and you're not even like, you could never teach anything because you're like, I don't know enough. Um, but you know what? Even before you come to follow Jesus, you can start serving. 
And, uh, and sometimes you start being impacted just by serving. And so uh, if that's an area where you're like, man, I love short conversations with people. This is a great ministry for introverts, right? It's like, I don't want to talk to someone for an hour, but for like 25 seconds as I help them find a seed or whatever, I can like, I, I'm really good at that. Um, some of us are really good at that. And others of us are really good at long conversations. So if you're a long conversation person, don't do that because it just backs everything up and no one can get in and... <laughs> Uh, but that, that could be an area where you're like, hey, I can, I can brighten someone's day because not, you know this, you don't come to church happy every week. Sometimes you come like, man, I'm so, I'm so heavy. And having someone greet and welcome you and take a little bit of extra time just to say, how are you doing, um, can be a great, great thing. So maybe that's an area that you want to uh, serve in. Uh, another area is our uh, adult ministries. And this is uh, a you know, we have a MAPS program, which is kind of uh, moms and preschoolers program, and they're often looking for uh, uh, table leaders, so you have to be a woman, a lady to do that, sorry guys, um, but if you want to be a table leader at a, at a, a mom's table, uh, as they go through their study, they need table leaders and people to hold babies on a Wednesday, so you have to have some flexibility in your schedule, uh, children's helper on a Wednesday morning. Again, if that's something that interests you and you have flexibility in your schedule, uh, maybe that's an area you want to dive into. Uh, another area is just uh, group leaders for our small groups, and we have women's groups, men groups, and uh, mixed groups, and here's something that one of our group leaders wrote regarding their group. They said they had the privilege of witnessing a well-known biblical truth come to life inside of their group as they led this. Uh, the fact that Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us, no matter who or what may be taken from us, it, that he is faithful, it just blessed not only uh, her, but their entire group. It's a very basic truth, but watching this living word impact the lives of their circle was this God moment over this last year. Um, as you step in, God teaches you. And maybe you're, you, you've considered and you think, man, I've led groups before and I haven't really stepped out to say I would lead a group. Um, talk to us in the back. We have an adult table and uh, relational environments are really important and we want to uh, push this more and more as we continue as a church and uh, we're going to need leaders. So maybe that's an area you want to step up in. Uh, I want to invite up Dallas Dirksen and Cheryl Woods to come up and talk a little bit about tech uh, ministry. Um, so just so you guys know, you guys come up. These are the people that sit in the back and their worst nightmare is that all of you turn around and look back at them because something went wrong. So the fact they're up here where all of you can see them, this is already a miracle. So go ahead, Cheryl. I'm Cheryl Woods, and uh, this is a little bit ironic because I do work at the tech booth, and um, at times I'm still old school. I have my paper with my handwritten notes. <laughs> so on average, um, I sit at the booth in the back there about one Sunday out of every four, um, my job is to put the announcements and song lyrics up on the wall. Most of my time is spent pushing the little arrow button on the keyboard, advancing to the next slide. Uh, Jackie Shaw invited me to be part of this team five or six years ago, and although some of the faces have changed over the years, I work alongside some wonderful people, both on staff and other volunteers. I consider it a privilege to assist the music team in leading you in praise of our Father God and Savior Jesus Christ. 
I want to serve our Lord and the members of this congregation by pushing that little button to the best of my ability and make the time of singing uh, so meaningful to everyone. I think we should give you a round of applause, right? And all of our tech team. All right, so my name is Dallas Dirksen, and uh, I work doing the, the video in the back. So like, like Alvin said, kind of um, what we like is when nobody notices us, because that means that we're, we're doing it well. Um, and so for, for myself, why I do it, uh, it goes back to when we first moved to Three Hills back in the day, and Mount Olive was the church that we went to. Um, it was just the church that we attended. And then we decided, you know what, we're going to become members, and we did that. And then we got involved in the church after that. And that was when Mount Olive moved from just being the church we went to to being our church. And, uh, and there's something that changes when you get involved that way. So I'd just like to encourage you in that way. Um, so what, what do we do with the video back there? Well, most of what we do you don't see here. There's a little bit that sometimes gets put up on the screen. But when you're at home, and I know all of us have seen this over the last couple of years, um, you, you notice video when it goes wrong. Um, you know, when, when you accidentally hit the little button and the active camera goes shoop across the screen, and you're like, oh, what was that? Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to do it. Um, but why does it matter? Because uh, when we do it professionally, when it looks really well, um, you don't notice all that stuff, and instead, hopefully, what happens is that you hear God's word and with no distractions, and so that, that God can speak to you. So that's what we're doing back there. Um, I was trying to think of an example to kind of help demonstrate this. You know, why do we, why do we have our online streaming ministry and stuff like that? So I thought I could, <laughs> being a good Northern Alberta boy, I almost wore my jersey, but I didn't want to rub it in. So... Uh, so, so the question is, you know, did he kick it in? <laughs> See, you all know what I'm talking about. How many of you were there? Nobody. But you all know what I'm talking about. Why? Because you saw it on, on your TV. Something like that that didn't mean, it, it has no impact on us, right? Like today, who cares? Um, even if the Oilers go on and win the Stanley Cup. Um, <laughs> you know, you turn off the TV at the end of that and you're like, so now what? Well, this, this is so much more than that. This is God's word being delivered to people who might not have the opportunity to come here to church. And so that's why we do what we do back there, out of sight and hopefully out of mind, and uh, allow God's word to, to go through the internet to other people's TVs so that they can have a chance to hear that. And when the TV gets turned off, it matters and it, and it impacts their lives. So uh, if that's something you're interested in, we would love to have you. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, in, in church context, they don't ask, did, did he kick it in? They ask, did he mail it in, right? The pastor just mailed that one. That wasn't so good. Um, mailed it in there. Um, so again, there's, there's sound, there's video, there's PowerPoint. It's part of our tech team. And maybe you think, ah, that's something that I have a passion in or that I would love to learn. Um, and you can, again, go back and talk to uh, our, our group leaders uh, back there. There's a whole bunch of other areas of service. And there's food. We do food stuff. If you're like, man, I love food stuff. Um, there's care ministry, deacons care ministry. We have maintenance that happens. And maybe you're like, man, I'm good at swinging a hammer at nails and, and people. Um, uh, we have a team for that. Uh, seniors visits, uh, other roles. Maybe you think of something you've been at Mount Olive for 10 years and you think, why don't they do this? Why not start it? 
and maybe you want to come and say, hey, I have an idea. Um, maybe there's, uh, uh, we have a, a missions committee and there's areas to serve there if missions is a passion of yours. And so what we have in the back, we have, we have uh, uh, about five or six different stations, tech, uh, you know, um, worship, uh, I think there's small groups or adult ministries, uh, youth, young adults, uh, and, a, and a few others. And then there's one that just says serve. It just kind of is a catch-all. If you're like, man, you didn't mention this, but is there a place for me to serve there? And so we want to invite you. We're ending the service now, and we want to invite you just to say, hey, where is it that I serve, and where do I want to serve uh, next fall? And allow our teams, our leadership here to build some teams and be in contact with you. I also want to say, if you're interested in serving in a leadership position, um, we uh, reserve the right to say yes or no, okay? Uh, we take leadership really uh, seriously, and so we would want to have a conversation with you and make sure that you're fit for a uh, leadership position. But some of the other areas are less, um, you know, you don't have to teach if you're greeting and so on and, and so forth. So anyways, we want to dismiss you now. My goal is that everyone that doesn't feel guilty puts their name somewhere either to say, yes, I'm back next year, or say, hey, I'm interested, I don't know, but let's have a conversation. And, uh, and uh, that we all have, uh, take a step in serving each other in some way over the next year. So I want to dismiss you. Why don't I close in prayer, and then you're free to go. Father, thank you for the church. Thank you that each one of us has been impacted because of someone else. And your, your body, Jesus, shows up in flesh and blood through each of us. And so as we have opportunity to serve each other, uh, to love one another, to do what Jesus did, and Jesus said, I've not come to be served, but to serve. And so, God, may we uh, take on uh, your image, your posture, a little bit more. And I pray that for each one, if there's anyone here that feels guilty right now, that you take that guilt away. But this is rather an opportunity to step into something, and as you prompt us, that we would say yes. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.